Well, hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Well, hello, 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 everybody. This is Lynn. I am your host for Every Person Everywhere. And this is stuff that you can relate to, hopefully. So, my last episode was very raw, very straight to the point. And I kind of intended it to be that way on purpose. Um, Because what I want to focus on for this season of the podcast is... Almost doing it like like an audio documentary of sorts. I don't know, maybe like an auto auto audio diary. That's the English language words I'm looking for. Yes, I want to do an audio diary type thing. So everything that I am going to talk about in this season, I'm going to have it be more personal. And I think it'll be important for me to not exactly say what makes it personal, but to leave that up to your interpretation. I mean, some of it might be straightforward, some of it might not be, but uh, yeah, that being said, let's jump straight into recovery as I understand it. And... This is as a fairly new practitioner in the field of occupational therapy. It's very new to the world of psychology and psychiatry in general, really. So I feel like by me starting to define the framework that I understand as I understand it from the lens that I've studied in order to understand it, I can start to put my own twist on things and my own spin on things. So what I tell pretty much everybody who comes to me very vulnerably in some of the worst moments, worst hours of their lives, the first thing that I always tell every single individual who appears to maybe even be beating themselves up about it. Every individual that believes that maybe they should have just kept their mouth shut and not said anything whatsoever, whatever the circumstance might be, I always say that the first step to wellness and recovery, it doesn't even have to be reaching out. We'll get to reaching out. Reaching out comes well after step one, but step one is the subconscious notice that you have an issue, you have a problem, something's not right, which is then fed into directly by number two, the subconscious or conscious acknowledgement that you are going to do something about this issue. Now, it's not easy to do at all, especially when we live in a heavily stigmatized world where we do not talk about our illnesses, a heavily stigmatized world in which we would rather suffer in silence than have to pay a medical bill, even if 
we know that the truth can get us better quality care. So many people still in modern medicine wait until it's entirely too late to do anything about their situation, their circumstance, uh, and to get proper quality medical care because they would rather not pay the bill. And I've seen this time and time again in all populations I've worked with. <clears throat> Being off of work is expensive. And, you know, if you're off of work and in medical treatment, that's money that you're spending but not earning. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes the uncertainty of not being able to go to work, myself included. The past two days that I was off of work, I really wish that I could have been in the midst of it, grinding away and learning the new system as the head therapist in the OT department and the only therapist in the OT department at work. And so far that my department is just called clinical services, nothing more, nothing less. I felt like I was starting to get into a rhythm, and then I got sick. And that's where it was, that's where it lay, for now. And yes, I do yawn because I'm still kind of tired, kind of dopey, kind of out of it, but I'm driving back to my house from my mother's house um, because I do need to get back on with the grind of things and I need to get back to work. I wish that I could have been there sooner, but, you know, life had other plans. So, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's that gnawing pain on the left side of your chest cavity that doesn't seem to go away, whether it's the literal or metaphorical headache that you have over one thing or another, whether it's noticing that you space out sometimes when it's really important that you not space out sometimes, and you're not sure why, the first step to recovery from whatever it is we are talking about is acknowledging that something isn't quite right. So, how should we go about this? If we're trying to do a full system check, so to say, before our launch, before our workout, before our anything that we're about to do, <clears throat> well, we need to be kind to ourselves and understand that the human body goes through a lot every single day. Just for us to have consciousness and stay alert, oriented, awake, and alive, we require quite a lot of effort and work. It's a miracle that any of it works whatsoever. So, starting from that point of acknowledging what is going right might be helpful. What is not helpful, though, is comparing yourself or your wellness to others. You know, mathematically speaking, there is a perfect example of a perfect circle that is mathematically calculable and provable. It's tangible, even. There is no such model for complete wellness. Like, who is the single 
healthiest person, the single most well person, because people are complicated. We are complex. You might feel incredibly healthy when the back of your life might be falling apart underneath. Or the people that appear to be the healthiest are actually suffering the most. So, <clears throat> you will oftentimes find yourself depressed and dejected if you start off this journey by saying, what's wrong with me? Or if you start off this journey by bargaining as if to say, oh, I'm not as healthy as this guy, or I could do better because I could be going to the gym, or I could be eating less, or I could be doing this differently. No, no, no. You're thinking far too drastically if that's the case. And I also say these words very abruptly to you all as I say them to myself. You cannot compare yourself to other human beings, or you will always be disappointed. Now, there is the concept... Of course, there is the concept of comparative analysis, like, am I doing better than, let's say, that person over there for this, that, or the other reason? But there really is no contest as far as who is doing the best. We are all on our own path. We're all on our own journey, and that's that's it. There's nothing else in this present moment but that, the fact that you are your own unique body. So let's then look at the eight dimensions of wellness that have been defined. So that way we can start trying to pinpoint what it is that we think is wrong. You know, for some people it might be very glaringly obvious. Maybe the thing that could be optimized, because like I said earlier, nothing is ever wrong with you. There's just something that could be better. Or something that could be healthier. The first thing we need to look at is, is it obvious <clears throat> that something is going on? And by that I mean, is it, you know, am I having a massive depressive episode? Am I having a major psychotic break? Am I hallucinating? You know, is the left side of my face numb? Can I feel my right arm? Or why do I have blood in my urine or my stool or whatever it might be? If it's something glaringly obvious, then yes, we can directly conclude what's going on and where we need to turn. But sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes you need to look a little bit deeper. The domains of wellness are typically defined very loosely as well, as emotional, intellectual, physical, financial, social, environmental, and spiritual. And they all have their own specific meanings. So emotional well-being, that obviously pertains to your feelings and your ability to regulate them and process them. So... How's that going? Everything going all right for you? Or maybe there's something you need to talk to somebody about. 
this is where the wonderful world of psychology often comes into place. This can also directly transplant itself into <clears throat> intellectual wellness. A healthy brain is always learning something new every day. A healthy brain is always given a just right challenge for the task. A healthy brain has intellectual substance. Is everything okay there? Or are things getting too stagnant? Are things too placid? Because studies show us that if you have nothing but good times always, all the time, your brain is much more likely to deteriorate or fall into states of disarray in various ways sooner than compared to the average person. On the other side of things, you could be overloaded. The challenge could be too great, and maybe you need to simplify. <clears throat> Both of these oftentimes factor into social wellness, and social wellness is that sense of community, that sense of togetherness that you get from shared experience, from group, whatever it might be to you. A recent study that came out showed that there are pockets of centenarians around the world, five that we could specifically look at, and what separated them from the rest of the people around them is they all had a profound and deep sense of community, whether it was their spiritual faith or friend groups or social clubs or friends that they've known their entire life. Everybody has at least one other human being as a social creature that we are that they can rely on. So, talking about social well-being, what's going on there? Are you feeling deprived of stimulation from other people? Maybe you have too much. Maybe you're an introvert who is constantly bombarded by too much stimulus. Or maybe you're an extrovert who's been isolated and not getting enough. What is it going to take for you to get better in that scenario, per se? <clears throat> Physical wellness, of course, is the most obvious one. It's what we can see and touch. It's material. You know, if I can't stop coughing and I feel really, really tired, something is probably physically not right. So this one I won't spend too much time on because it's very easy to acknowledge when there's a problem with something physically as compared to some of these other ones. One that I might like to talk more in depth about, but we'll save time on now, is spiritual wellness. And I do not say this as a, you must have a spiritual path or you must have a religion. No. We now know this means much more than just believing in a god or gods. It can also mean believing in yourself, believing in other people, believing in the good of the cause, believing in science, having faith in something, belief in something. The people that had the best end-of-life outcomes, as per a couple of different metrics, they always had either a complete belief in a higher power and afterlife or a complete disbelief. There was no in-between, interestingly enough. And this is very interesting because a lot of people live their lives <clears throat> thinking that they need to 
either uproot completely their religious trauma, or they need to redefine what it means to them. But why this is so fascinating to me is there's a lot of people who, unfortunately, have been deeply hurt by religion. So maybe that could be the root cause of a problem, is you're the very religious person in a non-religious family, or vice versa. This is where you draw back on other domains of wellness, like social wellness, to find like-minded people. But people have this deep-seated discontentment with acknowledging a problem on this domain of wellness sometimes. And environmentally, for a lot of people, myself included, it might be physically painful if you don't have green space, if you don't have the ability to recycle. If you don't have the ability to eat a clean diet, some people don't know what to do with themselves when they lose the ability to grow and cultivate their own vegetables, crops, and cultivate their own herds and cattle and so on and so forth. Your environment speaks words about who you are. Is it too cluttered? Not cluttered enough. Do you have too little or too much space? Do you have the right amount of things that occupy your mind's fancy? Are you able to easily access the right resources? So, of course, now that we look at these different domains of wellness and what it means to start looking at acknowledging that there's a problem, this then leads us to our next rational conclusion, which is coming up with a plan on what we're going to do, how we are going to start, <clears throat> and the stages of recovery that are clearly defined by psychologists around the world. It all starts with pre-contemplation, which is starting to put the basics together for how you are going to potentially make change, how you're going to potentially address the problem. And so... That is where we will start in the next episode. Once we've acknowledged that something is going on in one of those domains of wellness, how do we start thinking about it in a way that incites us to action and to getting better? Thank you for listening. And for now, to this I add my beautiful silence.